Lead me not to walk alone. Come on.
let the church say amen. From the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 12. 1 Corinthians, chapter 12. We're going to begin with verse 27. And we're going to read on as far as we need to read on into, on into chapter 13. But I want to begin with verse 27 of 1 Corinthians 12. Now, ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. And God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, <clears throat> governments, diversities of tongues, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all the gift of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But cover earnestly the best gifts. And yet I show unto you a more excellent way. Going down into chapter 13. Here is the more excellent way. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, <clears throat> and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profiteth me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love envieth not. Love vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Does not behave itself unseemly, cherish, seeketh not her own is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Love never fails. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, speak as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then 
face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Amen. really didn't mean to read all of that but it, there really ain't no quitting place there <laughs> you really can't really read part of that without reading the whole thing I want to talk today on this Valentine's Day as people call it I want to call it I want to talk about what the Bible speaks of as the supremacy of love the supremacy of love. Love <clears throat> is supreme. It was 1984, somewhere around the early 80s, that Tina Turner raised a question <clears throat> in a song. <laughs> the song's lyric said something like this. You must understand how the touch of your hand makes my pulse react. That it's only the thrill of boy meeting girl. Opposites attract. It's physical, only logical. You must try to ignore that it means more than that. Oh, oh. What's love got to do? What's love got to do with it? What, what's love but a secondhand emotion? What's love got to do? What's love got to do with it? Who needs a heart when a heart can be broken? I'd give anything to see my wife's face right now. <laughs> Curtis is looking funny enough. He's wondering where I got this. <laughs> you know I didn't get it at our house. At, not, at, not at Todd's house. But I, these words raise an issue. They raise a question. And it seems that she is trying to figure out where love fits in a physical relationship. But Paul is speaking here, not to Tina Turner, but he's speaking to the body of Christ. He's speaking to you and I who are part of the body of the redeemed. He's speaking to the community of the redeemed, and he is settling the issue, and he's answering that question. To those who are committed followers of Jesus Christ, love has everything to do with it. Are y'all hearing this? Everything that God instituted, everything that is instituted of God, marriage, the family, the church, everything that he instituted, love is at the center of it. We join the Apostle Paul today 
And he attempts now to straighten out a conflict in the church at Corinth. <clears throat> but before we get to the letter, before we get to the letter, we need to take a look at this city of Corinth. And we need to look at these people who lived in the city of Corinth. Once we can get an idea of the kind of city that Corinth is, then it will help us understand the kind of people that Paul was working with. Help you understand why it is necessary to write this letter to the people in the first place. Let's look at it. During Paul's time in Corinth, Corinth was one of the most important cities in Greece. It was the center of worldwide commerce. And for the most part, the people who moved to Corinth, the people who showed up in Corinth, most of them were driven by greed and they were searching for wealth. You showed up in Corinth, you were looking for something. Are y'all hearing me? But that greed and that ambition was leading to a degraded culture. That greed and that ambition was leading to a people that was sold out to idolatry. We are seeing right now in this nation where greed and ambition can lead us. It can lead us into a nation where liberty and justice are just a joke. It can lead us into a place, ambition and greed can lead us into a place uh, where it seems that right yields to might and that God has no control. Seems like. In other words, Corinth was not a family friendly place. Corinth was a, cut, a cutthroat, dog eat dog, every man for himself kind of a place. Yet, in the midst of all of this, Paul, while he was there on his second missionary journey, Paul looked at this rough place and said and thought this will be a good place to plant a church. Somebody, somebody, somebody who, who not spiritual would, would wonder why in the world would anybody want to establish a church in a place like that? Why in the world would anybody want to, want to, yeah, that, 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 yeah, yeah. But, but I say, I say, and yeah, once your mind has been transformed, you say, what better place for the church than to be where the church is needed? Y'all ain't hearing me. Oh, my brothers and sisters, we've got to figure out, figure this thing out. God needs the church where the church is needed. Are y'all hearing me? We've been fussing and complaining about how bad our neighborhoods are getting. Are y'all hearing me? God shut this thing down and put the church <laughs> in your neighborhood. Are y'all hearing me? The church has to be where the church is needed. One of the largest churches in Atlanta, years ago, a few years ago, one of the largest churches in Atlanta moved out of the city. And uh, they said it before they thought about it, but they said they, we're moving out because crime is too bad <laughs> down here. Are y'all hearing this? 
We who are called to follow Jesus would do well to try to see through the eyes of Jesus. Jesus never looked at a man or a woman in their present condition. Somehow, Jesus always looked beyond their present condition and saw what they had the potential to become. Somebody ought to say amen. I'm not ashamed to now that that's where he found me. He didn't find me where I am right now. He saw potential to become y'all hearing me. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You all have heard me tell this story before about a shoe manufacturer who they sent representatives into a third world village. They sent representatives, you heard me talk about it, sent these representatives to check this third world country to see whether or not they needed to build a shoe factory. These two representatives went down there. One of them wrote back and said, we're wasting our time. Nobody here wears shoes. But then the other one wrote back and said, this is the perfect place. Nobody here got shoes. Are y'all hearing me? It's all in what you're able to see. It's all in the potential. They both see the same thing. But one accepts it as it is and, and, and the other has a vision of what it becomes. Anybody want to shout, you ought to know that when Jesus found you, he saw a vision of what you can become. Paul looked. He looked beyond what the city was and he saw what the city could become with God's help and through the saving power of Jesus Christ. So he sets out to establish a church right there in this wicked city of Corinth. Paul founded the church there, stayed there with them for a couple of years, for two years, and stayed there teaching and preaching for a couple of years. And, and, and then it, he, he left, moved on to establish churches, but it wasn't long after he left that he re started receiving words that Corinth, the church of Corinth, was having problems. Wasn't long before he found out, he heard, got, got messages saying that the church over in Corinth, they're in a mess over there. Now, he has moved on to Ephesus, and he's not going back to Corinth right now, so he writes a letter. He writes this letter, and he sends this letter back to the church at Corinth. And this letter is what we have come to know as the book of 1 Corinthians. He writes this letter to help the church get back on the right footing. According to the report, he received the church was being torn apart by internal divisions, mess going on in the church. And what was going on there, this is the problem. Some in the congregation thought that themselves, they thought that they were more spiritual than other folk in the congregation. They thought that they, there were some in the congregation thought that they were more spiritual and more knowledgeable and they had, they were more important than other believers in the same church. And the controversy really arose around the fact that everybody in the church needed to feel like they were important. 
Everybody wanted to feel needed. Nobody wanted to be left out of this new movement called church. So because everybody wants to feel important, everybody wants to feel needed in this new movement, they find themselves jockeying for position. I'm going somewhere. Church is new. Everybody's trying to find their place. They find themselves jockeying for a position. And you begin to hear them saying, them saying things like my position, my job, my place, my song. Y'all ain't hearing me. They're, they're losing themselves and their desire to be important in the body of Christ. They were new converts and they were learning the practices of Christianity faster than they were learning the principles of Christianity. And, and brothers and sisters, that's always a danger. It always happened that way. But there's always a danger when you're learning the practice it quicker than you're learning the principles of it. You all ain't hearing me. You can learn to quote scripture faster than you can learn to live it. Y'all ain't hearing this. It's easier to learn to sing amazing grace than it is to let grace abound in your life. It's easier to talk about faith than it is to walk by. Are y'all hearing me? That's where they are. That's where these people are. They're learning all of the right things. They're learning how to practice it. They're learning how to, how to make it look good, but they're not, they're not taking it into their lives. They, they were still a new church. They were learning about spiritual gifts, about the giftings of the spirit. And they, yeah, somehow that, that they were, yeah, yeah, uh, they, they, they had learned and they knew enough to know that all of us in here, yeah, they knew that some way they, they were gifted to work in the body of Christ. The, yeah, yeah, sometimes a little information is worse than no information at all. They knew that they were gifted. They knew they had these gifts and their gifts were the work in the body. Now, take a moment and explain how the church, how the body works. And that's what chapter 12, chapter 12 is all about it. Tells you how the body of Christ is supposed to work. When a person, when a person is converted, when a person is born again, that moment, the moment that soul, that person believes on Jesus Christ, that person is baptized by the Holy Spirit. Don't want to get too deep here. This ain't deep at all. The moment you have believed on Jesus Christ, you're baptized by the Holy, by the Holy Spirit. Now, don't confuse that with water baptism. That's not, that's not, you ain't to the water yet. That's the moment I accept Jesus Christ. I'm baptized. I am covered. Surrounded. I am immersed by his spirit. You receive the gift, you receive the gift. Peter, Peter referred to the gift. He referred to it as a gift yeah, of the Holy Spirit. He refers to, 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 to your acceptance of Jesus Christ. He says, this is the gift of the Holy Spirit. And now you are a part of the body of Christ because you have received a gift. He called it a gift because you didn't work for it. Are y'all hearing me? 
He calls it a gift. It really ain't nothing. Ain't, 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 it, it's just a, it's a gift because you didn't have to do anything to get it. Yeah, it's a gift to you. That same Holy Spirit, that same Holy Spirit, at the same time that you are born into the body of Christ, that same Holy Spirit equips you with a particular job or equips you with a particular gift that helps you make the body function. Are y'all hearing me? So the moment you are born again, at that moment, you are gifted with something that you can help the body with. That very moment, that very moment, you, you're gifted now, 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 get this. You've just been born. And although you got it, you don't know what to do with it right now. A baby, when a baby is born, a baby has everything that that baby needs to drive a car. Got hands, got legs, got sight, got everything they need to drive a car, but you don't put them behind the wheel right now. They got to grow. Are y'all hearing this? Am I making any sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, 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 they've got to grow. So, so you have this equipment. You have this gifting that you will use to make the body work. You ain't ready to use it right that moment. You got to grow some. You, you don't, you're not saved this morning and in the choir stand shouting next week. Are y'all hearing me? You, you're not saved today and on the deacon board. Are y'all hearing me? You, you got to grow into some of this stuff. You've got, yeah, you've just been born into the body. You got everything you need to function, but now you've got to grow. The way Paul put it was that though there is one body, the body has many members. Are you hearing me? So there ain't but one body. But there are many members, and, 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 and you take it to the straight word. None of us are the body. All of us are members. We all do what, whatever it is that we have, whatever that gifting we have. It grows so that we can use it to make the whole body work. But that's a problem here in this church. In, 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 matter of fact, Paul he he takes it he, he 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 uses a body to explain this thing. He says it's like a body. One part of the body ain't more important than the other part of the body. I don't care how. I don't care what it does. Your heart can't boast of being better than your kidney. You let your kidney lock down and see what happens to your heart. Are y'all hearing me? They they all have to work together but here's the problem here's the problem in the church at Corinth as they're learning about these giftings as they're learning about these giftings they, they were coveting what they thought were the best gifts and they were coveting what they thought were the best gifts not so they could better glorify God or, or, or so that they could be a greater service but they were coveting those gifts so that they could look like they were closer to God than everybody else. Are y'all hearing this? 
Corinthians love those show gifts. They love gifts that would allow them to be seen among other men. They, they love the gift of tongues. They love the gift of knowledge. They love the gift of prophecy that gave them an opportunity to show off publicly. So Paul here, in his writing, he's explaining to them that all of these gifts, all of the gifts, every gift that I've given anybody, every gift that anybody has in the church is just as important as any other gift. There are no small gifts and big gifts. And to explain, he uses this example of the body. He tells them about the body and how one part is not important. But as Paul ends his conversation, he ends it by showing them something that was greater than all of these gifts they've been fussing about. See, you all are having all this trouble over gifting. He says, I want to show you something greater than that. As a matter of fact, Paul wanted them to know that no matter how gifted they were, that gifts were worthless. The gifts are worthless unless they learn this next lesson. I don't care what kind of gift you got. Paul says, let me show you something better than that. I'm going somewhere. He says, Y'all here jockling, jockling over position and trying to outdo each other. But Paul says, uh, let me show you a more excellent way. And that's when he moves on into 13. He moves on into 13. And he said, let me show you something greater than the gifts that you're coveting. Let me show you something greater than the gifts that you're boasting about. Now, 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 he says, I, I, I'm going to give you a clearer understanding. I know, I know when we read this, and, and the reason I, I wanted to do this today, the reason I want to come back this day, Valentine's Day, and we, we, we call this the love chapter, and, and we read it at weddings, and ain't nothing wrong with that. God knows it fits. Uh, but in its context, Paul is not doing a wedding here. Paul is using these words to straighten out a conflict in the body of Christ. He points out that the body of Christ, love must be supreme in everything that we do. Listen at him, listen at him. He attacks those who've been battling and trying to show off that gift of tongue, trying to show everybody that they got the gift of tongue. He says, he says to them, he says, uh, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. Are y'all hearing me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Though I speak, no, no matter how many tongues I can speak in, no matter how good I am at speaking in these tongues, if I don't have love, look at what he says. He says, I'm just making noise. Oh, y'all hear that? This right there in the book. Sounding brass, a tinkling cymbal. If you don't have love, all you're doing is making noise. And even if I got the gift of prophecy, 
even if I got powers and the gift of prophecy, and even if I can understand all the mysteries, and if I had all the knowledge in the world, even if I had the gift of faith so that I can speak to the mountain and the mountain would move. So if I could do all of that and didn't have love, it's right here in the book. He said, none of this would mean a thing if I don't have love. He says, even if, I, even if I got a big enough heart to give away everything, even if I give away everything I have to feed the poor, even if I give my body to be burned, if I don't have love, it's doing me absolutely no good. It profits me nothing. He's talking about, talking about love here. He said, love is patient. He says, love is kind. He said, love does not envy, love does not boast. Love is never rude. Talking to the church, love is never rude. Love, he says, never fails. It's never ending. He pauses on, goes on to let us know that the greatest thing in the world is love. Paul's message to them then, yeah, Paul's message to them is that none of what you're doing, none of what you're arguing about, none of what you're falling about, out about, none of it means anything if you don't have love. And my brothers and sisters, I find that in most cases, the missing element and, 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 and most of the time when we are in conflict and most of our problems uh, come about and most of the time I find out, I see that the missing element is love. Where is the love? You begin to see churches, you begin to see families, you begin to see homes uh, yeah, 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 that, that seem to be falling apart. The question is where is the love? Well, I'm, I'm through now, but I, I, I've got an answer. Tina, Tina raised the question. And I, I just think when somebody asks a question, you ought to be uh, kind enough to give an answer. T Tina, Tina, Tina Turner raised a, a question, and, and, and I, I come today to declare that that is an answer. Especially when it comes to the church, when it comes to the people of God, there is an answer. You want to know what love got to do with it? Love has everything to do with it. Are y'all hearing me? Love has everything to do with it. Matter of fact, my brothers and sisters, love is what makes up my story. Love has everything to do with it. You look at where I am right now and where I've come from. I need to let you know that love has everything to do with it. A few years ago, my son changed my theology. I'd been singing all my life. I was sinking deep in sin. Far from the peaceful shore. All my life I've been singing that song, love that song. Jason came to me and said, Daddy, that's all right. It's a nice song, but it ain't true. He said, Dad, we wasn't sinking, we were sunk. 
Y'all ain't hearing me. He said, we were not sinking. We were not, we were not very deeply staying in within, sinking the right. He said, no, we were sinking, we were sunk, and we were dead on the bottom. Are y'all hearing me? But the truth of the matter is, after that, it turns true. Are y'all hearing me? Love lifted me. I wonder if I got a witness up in here. The song says, love lifted me. When nothing else could help. Love, yes, lifted me. Love has everything. Are you hearing me? Love has everything to do with where I am right now. Love has everything to do with how he picked me up, turned me around, how he planted my feet, on solid ground love has everything to do with it are y'all hearing me it was nothing but love that caused God to move and give his only begotten son take it right out of the book for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. It was love that caused his son to pick up my cross and put it on his shoulders. It was nothing but love that caused him to stretch wide. It was love that nailed his hand and nailed his feet. It was love that kept him on an old rugged cross. Are y'all hearing me? Don't know about anybody else, but I'm glad that he would not come down just to save himself. He decided to die just to save me. It was love that caused him to suffer, yeah, to bleed and die on an old rugged cross. But it was also love that early Sunday morning, yeah, early Sunday morning, it was love that picked him up, brought him up from a grave, saying, All power is in my hand. Yes, yes, I thank God for his love. And I'm amazed to this day. Are y'all hearing me? I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. And I wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned, unclean. Yes, yes, and because he first loved me, I love him. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, 
because he first loved me. Yes, yes, there is a name I love to hear. Yeah, I love to sing his word. Sounds like music in my ear. It's the sweetest name on earth. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because, yes. Because he first loved me. What's love got to do with it? Love has everything to do with it. We are where we are because of his love for us. Our future is secure because of his love for us. We have eternal life. Because of his love for us. Oh, how I love Jesus. How I love Jesus. Oh. There is a name. There is a name I love to hear. I love to sing. It's worth. It sounds like music in my ear. The sweetest name.
This is what we come every week for. The preaching of the gospel should prick the heart, the mind and the soul to move toward heaven's open reward. And that reward is simply that he'll save your soul. Uh, Pastor brought it up today that the greatest thing that is with us is love, that God has loved us from the very beginning, that even when our lives were stained in sin, he still loved us, that even when we were down in the bottom of the waters, dead on the bottom, God reached down and swam, gave us new life, and then he lifted us out of that. I want to try to help somebody, not only in the sound of my voice, but somebody who's in the virtual world today. Let me help you out. The Bible declares in John 3.16 that God so loved, not the people of God, that God so loved, not the church, that God so loved, not those who are lovable, that God so loved, not those who actually loved him, but it said that God so loved the very world. I, I wish somebody would hear me this morning that no matter where you are, at one point in time, you were in the world and you may be in the world even right now, but I love the word of God because it says he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believe on him should not perish but have eternal life. Lord, I thank you that even when I was in the world, you loved me. That even when I was missed by my sin, you loved me. That even when I didn't even know what was right, you loved me. So wherever you are, I'm trying to let you know that he loves you. This is how much he loved you. That one Friday he died, but he didn't stay dead. His death was for the sin of the world. But early Sunday morning, he got up with all power in his hand. And here's of either further fact that if he loves you, he's still speaking in the ear of God on your behalf right now. That everything that you did, he's wiping it out with his blood. Let us pray. Lord, we praise you that you have loved us. That even in the spite of us, you loved us. You loved us so much, but in the garden sanctuary, when we rebelled against you, you still covered us. That even when we rebelled after the Red Sea, you still gave us manna from on high. That even when we rebelled in Babylon, you still allowed us to come back to you to live in a land flowing with milk and honey. But not only Israel, Lord, when I was sinking in my sin, when I was dead in my sin, you rescued me from the fiery burns of hell. Said, I still love you. And whoever you are, wherever you may be, just trying to let you know that the Lord God loves you because the Bible declares that God is love. And this is love that he gave his only begotten son to die in your place. That he took upon your sin, died the very death you couldn't die. But when Jesus died, death itself died. That when Jesus died, justice took on the right of might. When Jesus died, all of the world started leaning and groaning toward him.
Because one day that same Jesus who died, Bible declares that he'll come back with such a loud shout that his voice will wake up the very dead and those who are caught up will remain with him and be with him forever. Lord, it is our prayer that somebody has come to give their life to you this morning. That wherever they are, that Lord, if, if, if they can't find a local church, Lord, we ask that you give them somewhere like Salem Church to unite with folk who understand that we were once lost, but that love found us. And we've learned that no matter what it is, that whatever love is, it has everything to do with our God. For this is our prayer. We pray it in the matchless and mighty name of Jesus. The one who suffered, bled, and died, but son up from the grave with all power in his hand. The power to love even you. This is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't we bless the Lord in his house? Why don't we just bless the Lord wherever you are? We thank God today for his presence with us. We thank him for his word. We thank him for all of you, those here in the sound of my voice, who come to work and to serve that we might continue. And those who are at home, we thank you wherever you are. We thank you for tuning in. And thank you for being in church today. Because wherever you are, you are in church. And we just thank God that you thought it not robbery uh, to join all these other believers everywhere. Uh, to be, we are learning the power of the church. We are learning that the church is so much more than how many people we can cram in a building. We are learning that the church has more to do with how people, how many people we can empower outside the building. And I thank God that that is going on. I bless God for those who come. Thank you all always for continually showing up to help us in this worship experience. Salem, we have, uh, I was just so hoping and uh, I was trying my best to figure out a way that I could wait and hold up until we all got back together. But I'll go ahead and share it now. We'll celebrate it later. We are debt free. <laughs> God bless the Lord. We are, we are, we are free. We are free from that bondage. And we thank God. That's right. Y'all bless the Lord. Wherever you are, wherever you are, he is worthy. He is worthy of all our praise. Nobody, nobody but the Lord. And I thank him because now we are free to do even more ministry. Amen. We're free to do even more. I thank God for what we're able to do. But when you have freed from that yoke, I'm just excited about. So that doesn't mean now that you stop tithing. That doesn't mean now that you stop giving. 
That means that you ought to do more. That means we ought to love him and appreciate him all the more. We're already feeding the hungry. We're already serving this community. And I'm just excited about how much more we're going to be able to serve this community. I've already, me and the Lord already got a bunch of stuff to dump in your lap. So don't think you're going to sit down nowhere. There's too much to be done. There's a whole lot of things that God has shown us, and he is bringing it to pass. And I, I'm just so grateful for that. And some of the things that God is showing me, I'm looking at them and I'm saying, wow, that is awesome. That is awesome. And I'm thinking in my mind, uh, I'm 70 years old. <laughs> and God, you're showing me all of this stuff. But he has assured me that what he does and what he is doing here on this spot, it's much bigger than how long I'm going to live and how much bigger any of us going to live. God has a plan for this place. And this plan will be coming about even after all of us are gone. He'll still be. But we've got to do our part as long as he gives us breath. As long as he allows us. So I just thank God for being alive at this time. Allowing him to use us at this time in the life of Salem Church. I want us to be in prayer uh, with Reverend Burnley. Reverend Burnley, uh, one of his brothers, his oldest brother, went home to be with the Lord. So let us just be in prayer with Reverend Burnley. Uh, his brother is Roosevelt Hearn, and uh, we just want to pray for him, pray with him as he goes through this period. Also, Reverend Pitts, Pastor Penny Pitts, uh, her mother went home. Uh, this week to be with the Lord. And we just want to just continue to keep her uh, in our prayers. Her mother uh, will be funeralized on next Saturday. So I want all of us just to pray for Penny. Just pray uh, for the entire family. Very close-knit. And we just want to pray that God will do what only God can, only God can do. Again, may God bless you. And may God keep you is our every prayer. God be with you till we meet again. Henceforth and forevermore, let us all say.
several ways to submit your tithe and offering. Online at www.thechurchwithzeal.org slash give. On Cash App at dollar sign the church with zeal. Via the Givelify app. By mail to Salem Missionary Baptist Church, P.O. Box 817, Lilburn, Georgia 30048 or in person at the church office on Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. It's not necessary to wait until Sunday to give. Online, GiveLify, Cash App, or mail-in contributions may be submitted on any day of the week. Thank you for your continued support of the ministry at Salem Missionary Baptist Church.